You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning. It's great to be with you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church. But if you've been here the last few weeks, uh, you haven't seen me. I, have, I was on family vacation and had a great time and then uh, was able to kind of begin the new year, working on some down-the-road projects. And so Justin taught twice, Josh taught twice. Really appreciate those guys. And uh, But then, uh, so here I am, and I, I'm uh, excited to be back with you all as we kick off a brand new uh, series this morning. I'll get to that in a minute, but first let me just check in with you. Uh, you having a good MLK weekend? Yeah, nice, very good. Weather's been, been kind of nice. And again, as Alyssa said, thankful that you managed to get through the marathon and to get here and join us in worship. Um, you know, personally, just speaking of MLK weekend, I, I love that our nation sets aside a day to honor and remember the life of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, personally, he is one of my all-time heroes, upper echelon heroes at, at A&M where I, where I went. Um, and, you know, don't hold that against me. But um, I took a class, one of my favorite classes, actually it was my favorite class, was a class, I was a speech comm major and I took a class on the oratory of the civil rights movement. And so I got to just hear and read uh, speeches uh, and messages by uh, Reverend King over and over again. And just, man, just, the guy is just amazing. And uh, I personally am also just like so grateful for him because I don't know on like on a personal level, like I don't, I don't know what it would have been like uh, adopting our son Enoch, who's from Uganda and therefore, if you don't know, is, is black. Uh, he, uh, I don't know what it would be like to have Enoch as a part of our family living in the, you know, in the South, if you count Texas a part of the South, which you should. Um, the, uh, I don't know what that would be like if it wasn't for the life, uh, the sacrificial service, the bold dream of Reverend King. Uh, it, it always gets me when I see uh, Camp and Enoch. Uh, Enoch has, this is something I just love as a part of his nature. It, 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 I think it's a really interesting thing because uh, in Uganda, like, you know, men will hold hands, you know, all age, they just, they hold hands. That's a normal thing for them. Uh, Enoch, he does that, which is like, he, you know, we adopted him when he was two. And so you think, okay, like how would that be ingrained in him? But like, he holds, he holds my hand. He's now nine. He'll be 10 in two weeks. And he, but he holds my hand. He'll hold his walking with camp. He'll hold camp's hand. He'll hold Della's hand. He just loves, like if he's walking next to you, he's going to hold your hand. And every time I see him holding hands with my son or daughter, I think about Reverend King and his dream when he said little black boys one day little black boys and little black girls will one day be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers and I think man what an incredible man Martin Luther King Jr. was and what a significant life that he lived and he's one of those guys that the more I'm exposed to him the more I am inspired to want to live a meaningful, significant life. I'm, my guess is that for many of you all, that's true about him. He has that impact on you. But I think what's probably true for all of us is that there's, so, there's somebody or perhaps a few people in your life that when you spend time with them 
or when you hear them speak or whatever it might be, you, when you're around them or exposed to them, they inspire you to want to live a meaningful life, right? That you just think, oh man, that person, man, if I could live a life like that, if I could live a significant life like that, man, that would be awesome. And I think that the reason that we feel that way or move to feel that way is because deep down in all of us, we all desire to live significant lives, that we all long to live lives that have a real purpose to them and a real meaning to them, that we want to live a life that we know that because of our life, things got better for someone or, or in some way, that we don't, we don't want to just live and then die and be forgotten, do we? That all of us at some level is like, no, I, I want to have done something that mattered with my life. I wanted to have make it, I want to make an impact. I want to live a significant life. But <laughs> then we get distracted, don't we? <laughs> like we really want that, but it's so easy to just get to settle for living for lesser things because that's kind of easier, right? And you just get, you know, caught up in, in binging that next show or living for the weekend or the next paycheck or that next car or that next trip you're going to go on or that house or that promotion. And, and it's just easy to get distracted and, and get off course from trying to live that kind of significant life that we really want to live. In addition, and it's so easy to also grow cynical, I mean, especially, and I feel this in our day and age, in our socially connected 24-hour news cycle, 24-7 all the time, that we are so exposed, so bombarded by tragic story after tragic story, after injustice after injustice. And at some point in time, you just kind of grow, or I know I can just grow cynical and begin thinking, like, really? Can I really make a difference? I mean, really, can I make an impact with my life? Like, really, is it possible for me to do anything about any of this stuff, to really, really live a significant, purposeful life, meaningful life? Is it even possible? Well, friends, let me tell you. Glad you're here. Got good news for you. It's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible for you to live a significant life, the significant kind of life that you long to live. In fact, I'll take it one step further. Not only is it possible for you to live a significant life, but it is possible for you to live an eternally significant life. An eternally significant life. And this morning, as we start this new series in the book of Philippians, I want to I show you why I say that. You see, we're, we're starting this series out of the, uh, Paul's letter to the Phil, uh, Philippi Church, Church of uh, in, uh, <laughs> the Church in Philippi, and uh, we're calling the series uh, "The Joy of Gospel Partnership." And what I, my hope is this morning is that you will more fully see that it is possible for all of us to be partners in the gospel, and because that is true. It is also possible for all of us to live meaningful and eternally significant lives. So if you will, so that's where we're going, all right? You good? With, you, you with me? Is that all right? You, there's, it's, it's so hard to get y'all to even nod your heads. Like, I mean, it's just, are you awake? All right. I'm, we're going to live a significant life. You're like, hmm. That's, <laughs> hmm. There we go. 
Okay, go with me to Philippians chapter one, all right? And uh, we're gonna look at the first 11 verses in that passage today. So uh, go there. I also have the, the words up here on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, follow along. But we have Bibles in the back, on the back table there for free. We'd love for you to have a Bible. You can also download them free on your phone. Um, but anyways, the, uh, as you go there, let me just tell you that this is kind of where we're going this morning. In these verses, these first 11 verses, the Apostle Paul, you know, uh, who wrote this letter, he helps us understand what a gospel partner is, and who can be one, and who we're actually partnering with, and what's essential to do it well, and what results, which is a lot of information. So we really need to dive in, but there's just so much here. that's just so good. So looking forward to this. So Philippians chapter 1, let me just begin. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now let me hit pause there. And I think we should have the words up here. On this. They're not there? Interesting. All right. <laughs> Curveballs. All right. Good. Okay. Um. That, you hear that last line? You have to hear it. You couldn't see it, apparently. Uh, when Paul says, okay, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel for first day till now, that's where we get this, this series title. Apparently the only slide we have. But there it is. There it is. The joy of gospel partnership we take right there from that line. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so like that, this line, this is a key statement in the whole book of Philippians. That's why we're calling the series this. Because this statement really explains the tone of the entire book of Philippians. This is a joy-filled book, an encouraging book, a book where, where Paul is just excited about these people and how they're living and how they're maturing in Christ and how they're specifically partnering in the gospel. So that's kind of key tone-setting statements for this book. But if you want to live a significant life, I'm telling you, like, it comes down to being a gospel partner. So we have to understand, okay, what does this mean? Like, what is Paul talking about when he says, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Like, what does partnership in the gospel mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to be a, a gospel partner? Well, uh, let me tell you, it, it, it's helpful to understand this, uh, this word when which we translate partnership. Because of your partnership in the gospel, this word partnership uh, in Greek is the, is the word koinonia. Perhaps you've heard that word before. Koinonia uh, is, a, is an interesting word because it, it, it takes two kind of ideas and merges them together. It, it takes the idea of deep friendship or close relationship. Perhaps you could say fellowship. And the concept of sharing a common purpose. So koinonia, or this word that we use for partnership, just give you a definition, is a close relationship with a shared common purpose and participation in that purpose. And in this case, when Paul says, I think, you know, I never, never stop praying with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, the shared common purpose. In fact, the thing that ties them together both relationally and in purpose is the gospel. The gospel literally meaning the good news. 
And in this case, in context, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus, God the Son, has come for us to make the way for us to be reconciled to God, to have our sins forgiven by being our substitute, our payment on the cross, dying for us so that we can be forgiven and reconciled and adopted into the family of God. This incredible good news. And what Paul is saying, okay, that's what, that's what fills me with joy. So we share this, this common purpose and this common fellowship of all around advancing the gospel so that as many people as possible can hear the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for them, that they can be reconciled to God. That's, that's what gospel partnership is. And here's the thing. This church, this church was true, were, like this wasn't flowery language for Paul. He wasn't just saying, you know, like, yeah, and I kind of wish this was true about you, but I'm just going to say it just so maybe I'll speak it into existence. No, this church was actively partnering with him in the gospel. It's funny, the church of Philippi gets a number of shout-outs by Paul in Scripture. I mean, one is later in this book, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, he'll talk about how the church of Philippi was the only church that when he left the, the Macedonian region, which is where Philippi was located, they were the only church that actually sent money, sent support with him to help him go and take the gospel to other cities. Cities like Athens, cities like Ephesus. He says, you, you partner with me, helping me go and bring the gospel to other places. Or in another case, in Romans 15 and in 2 Corinthians 8, he shouts out the church in Philippi for their generosity and how they gave just generously, even when they had nothing to give, they gave generously to, to, to care for the church in Jerusalem when they were going through really hard times. He says, I mean, y'all partner with us and, and loving our brothers and sisters and helping aid them so that they can continue to be gospel partners. And then uh, there's, a, there's uh, this letter, just the whole reason it exists is because when Paul is in prison in Rome, you can read about in Acts 26, his first imprisonment in Rome, the church in Philippi was praying for him and then sent one of their own, Paphroditus, to go and bring him basically a care package while he's in prison. In fact, you could say that the, the letter of, that we have, the book of Philippians, this letter is just a thank you letter in response to a care package this church sent Paul in prison. They're caring for him. They're partnering with him. And then, of course, uh, this church started about 10 to 15 years before Paul wrote this letter. And the fact that the church continued to exist and was growing and the different people that he mentions in this book, all signs that, that the people in Philippi, the believers in Philippi, were, con were consistently and faithfully growing as gospel witnesses in their own city. Seeing more and more people hear the gospel and respond with faith and belief. Like, guys, all my point in all that is to say they were really truly gospel partners, that Paul felt this incredible closeness to them, like, you're in it with me. Like, from the moment, he says, from the first day until now, like, from the very moment that I showed up and I started sharing in Philippi, Josh taught about this last week, we read about it in Acts 16, I started sharing the gospel, people started coming to faith, and they, and then the response was not, hey, Paul, <laughs> thanks for telling us that. Hey, thanks for telling us about Jesus and what he's done for us and the way that we can have life through him. That's really good news. All right. See you later. 
So that, that wasn't their posture. They didn't just believe it. They didn't just receive the good news that from the first day until now, Paul would say, they partnered with us in it. You know why they did? Because they got it, friends. Because this good news they recognized was actually incredibly good news. Like the greatest news, like the best news in the entire world. That when Paul told them that Jesus had come, that God the Son had taken on flesh, and he had come not to condemn the world, as John 3.17 says, but to save the world, they were blown away. That when it came home to the grace of God, when they grasped that it meant that no nationality, it didn't matter what nationality you were from, it didn't matter your race, your ethnicity, your gender, it also didn't matter what you had done before or what you didn't do before, it didn't matter anything, anyone could be adopted into the family of God through belief and Jesus' death on their behalf. And when they got, that came home to them, they thought, this is incredible. And they believed it, and then they said, everyone needs to hear this. Everyone needs to know this. Our city needs to know this. These other cities need to know this. And so they began to partner with him because, again, they got to paraphrase John 3, 16, the fact that whosoever believes in him, in Jesus, shall not perish, but will have eternal life. They got the, what the stakes were. That apart from receiving the grace of the gospel, people would perish. The people would be separated from God. But through belief, they could have eternal life with God. I mean, just to, just to quote Jesus in John 5, 24, when he said, very truly I tell you, and when God the Son tells you, very truly I tell you, you can take that to the bank. Like this is, this is a true statement. He says, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Because when they got that, they say, okay, people need to hear this. See, people need to know how to, be, how to transfer from death to life. And people need to know how to have eternal life with God. And so they partnered. Friends, that's why this is the most, kind of, the most significant life we can live. That's why by choosing to be a gospel partner, you would be choosing, you could choose to have an eternally significant life. That's why the Philippians lived an eternally significant life. But here's the thing. I think that we sadly downplay this. I think that we fail to really wrap our mind around what the scripture teaches about the kind of impact that we can have. So I want to steal an object lesson from another pastor, Francis Chan, uh, that I saw one day that had a profound impact on me. Uh, I got a rope here. Let's pretend, just imagine with me, you got to use your imagination. Let's pretend that this rope 
never ends. It does. It ends right over there. But let's pretend that it, it never ends. And then also imagine with me that this rope is a timeline. A timeline that goes on and on and on forever. And it's the timeline of your existence. That from the moment that you were created, you would never, ever cease to exist. And this rope resembles that. Now listen, this blue part, this is your life on earth. And for some reason, though all of this exists, we spend so much of our time just focused on this, don't we? And we think things like this, man, this is a really hard season, but man, life's going to be really good if I could just get to here. Or we think, you know what, I'm going to work really hard for a lot of years so that I can have this part right here all to myself. And then, man, then I'm going to be able to really enjoy golf or the beach or the trips or the grandkids or whatever it might be. We think, okay, this is what we focus on. But guys, this, this exists. This, this exists for millions and millions and millions and millions of years. Like we are told, we will live for eternity. And guys, we'll live eternally somewhere. And the Bible teaches that what we do with this right here can impact all of this. And that when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe that he died for you, you are transferred from death to life. Death meaning separation from, and in this case, separation from God, that you're transferred from separation from God to life with God forever and ever. And we're told that what you do with this can also impact other people's eternity. That you can partner in the gospel, helping people believe, helping people see and feel and experience the love of God by how you treat them and by what you say to them and how you pray for them. You can impact this. Guys, you want to live a significant life? You can. <laughs> More than a significant life. An eternally significant life. Because that's what the church in Philippi was doing. And that's why Paul was so full of joy for them. Because they were joining with him and partnering in the gospel. Now listen, you might hear that and you might think, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could really do that. I don't know if I can really have that kind of impact. Isn't that what pastors do? Isn't that your job? Or isn't that what, what real spiritually mature Christians can do? Like they can help people know Jesus and they can have an eternal impact, as you keep saying. Like isn't that what, the, you know, you got to be really mature. Guys, if you feel that way, listen, I, I want to be super clear. If you feel that way, that is not true. It is not true. So when it comes to the question, who can be a partner in the gospel? Who can have that kind of eternally significant life? The answer is anyone, including you. 
anyone, including you. And if you want proof for that, you don't have to look any further than the book of Philippians. You see, as Josh taught last week when he looked at Acts 16, how the church of Philippi came to, came to be, there's three key stories of who came to faith first when the gospel came to Philippi. Do you remember who, they, who the three people were? You were here last week? It was Lydia, right? Who we think was a single, well-to-do, like upper-class woman. And the second was a slave girl. And then the third was a middle-class jailer. A Roman citizen, a Gentile jailer. Now, here's what's fascinating. First three people that we hear about that come to know Jesus, to trust in Jesus. Gentile, slave, woman. Now, in that day, a common, and hear this, non-biblical prayer. This is not found anywhere in the Bible, not taught in the Bible. But a common, non-biblical prayer that Jewish men prayed every morning went like this. Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Like that was the mindset of their day. As if people... That, that the people God truly blessed above all were just Jewish men. But listen, who does God go after in Philippi? You think that's an accident? It's a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. The very people that were looked down upon are the ones that first believe the gospel and are reconciled to God through Jesus. Is this not God like clearly saying you have it all wrong. <laughs> See, I love everyone, and I want to bless everyone in Jesus, and I want everyone to be reconciled to me, and I want, I want everyone to know they can partner in the gospel. For you remember what happens with Lydia and with the jailer right after they trust in Christ? We're both told in both cases they went to their own household Share the gospel, and the whole household believes. See, day one, as a Christian, they partner in the gospel. They tell their, their household the good news, whole household believes. What does this mean, friend? What's the point of this? Well, here, who can be a gospel partner? Clearly, anyone. I mean, that's part of the reason, I think, to, to the, include the stories that they included. Just to be able to see, like, you think that only the Jewish men are the special. No, 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 no. No. Gentile, slave, woman, anyone, anyone. And from day one, you can become a gospel partner and have an eternal significant impact. Now, here's the other thing. I, I think when I, when I hear this, if I, if I, I, I would, I guess, expect that some of y'all would hear this and think, okay, yeah, this sounds good, and I would love to be able to have that kind of life that impacts all of this. But whenever I leave this place, and I'm actually sitting with my roommate at lunch, or I'm 
you know, talking with my neighbors across the street or I'm at my job working with my coworkers and I'm thinking, okay, like I am going to partner in sharing the gospel with them and loving them and demonstrating, declaring the gospel with them. I think, man, I, you know what? I just can't do that. I just don't have what it takes to do that. When rubber meets the road, I mean, it sounds great. I just, I, I don't have it. And as, if that's how you feel, then you need to hear what Paul says next in this passage. Because in verse 6, this is what he says. After saying, I'll go back to verse 3 first. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You guys, you hear this? See, Paul knew something that we all need to know. Paul knew something that led him to have a, a strong confidence. And that is he knew who we're really partnering with. And certainly it's true that the Philippians were partnering with Paul to invent, in the advancement of the gospel. But Paul knew that truly they both, all of them, all believers in reality, were actually partnering with God in the advancement of the gospel. And so Paul would say, okay, man, I've got this incredible confidence in God, our true partner, that he's going to carry this on to completion. Now, there's a debate about what this work is that he's going to carry on to completion. And many of us grew up, love, grew up in the church, know this verse by heart, love this verse. It's a great promise about how the good work, and we often think about it as this, the good work that God you know, began in you, like in your life after you're with your salvation, he's going to see to completion in that. He's going to continue working in you to mold your character into the image, the likeness of Christ. You know, we technical term for that, sanctification. And he's going to see you through in that process. And certainly the Bible teaches that. I think perhaps this verse teaches that. But I think that Paul also has something else in mind given the context of this verse. I think he's not just talking about the fact that God's going to be faithful and continuing this work in you, making you more like Christ. But also, he's going to continue this work that he began in you, Church of Philippi, to see the gospel continue to advance. That's what the context is. Your partnership in the gospel, that is the work. As you continue to partner with him, he's going to see that work, the advancement of the gospel to the, to the point that, 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 that it goes to the ends of the earth. So that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea as God promises in Habakkuk 2.14. That work is what he's going to see also to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, meaning the day that Christ returns. And over the last 2,000 years, we've been seeing this. We've been seeing God, the one that we're truly partnered with, doing this. See, Paul knew who we're truly partnering with. And therefore, he had this incredible confidence that this work was going to continue. God would continue to work in their lives and through their lives to see the gospel advance. And he says, okay, you need to remember, this is your true partner. And guys, if you're partnering with God, you, 
you're in good company. And if you feel like I don't have what it takes to be a gospel partner, you need to remember who you're partnering with and realize that that's your partner, then you have what it takes. Because he's with you, working in you. I think about what Jesus says in John 21. After Jesus rose again, he stands before his disciples and he says, okay, just as the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. And then what does he do? That he imparts the Holy Spirit upon them. And so Jesus sends them out, but he doesn't send them out on his own. He sends them out with the third person of the Trinity. God still goes with them. And guys, that's, that's our reality. As gospel partners, we don't go alone on behalf of God. We go with God. And because we have God, we have what it takes to be a gospel partner. You have what it takes, not in and of yourself, but because God is your partner to live an eternally significant life, to help people trust in Jesus, to know God's love, to come to faith. Man, I tell you, this came home to me um, in a strong way. It's probably... I don't know, five, ten years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. And I was, I remember I, I was really trying to, um, you know, like love my neighbors. I've been praying for them. I've been trying to serve them. I wanted them to know that God loved them by how the way that I treated them. And then I was looking for opportunities to tell them about God's love, share the gospel with them. And no matter all the things I was doing, and I was trying to, and Krista and I were working together on this, we were trying to do a lot of things, having people over for dinner, hosting parties, doing different kind of conversations. And we just didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. (laughs) No opportunities, no movement, no reciprocation. And I just remember one day praying to God and just say, God, where are you? I mean, like, I'm doing my part. When we had our neighbors over for dinner again, it just felt like the conversation didn't go anywhere. Like, what else can I do? I can't make them curious about Christ. I can't make them want to know Jesus, to believe. I can't do that. I'm doing my part. It doesn't seem like you're doing anything. Now, let me, side point. Guys, you can talk to God like that. He can take that, okay? But, so I'm, I'm talking to God, and I'm frustrated. And then just this, this moment and I think it was, I think it was thought, I think it was directly from God. And I just had this moment where just this, this question popped in my mind. It's, the question was, Jake, why do you think you're trying to love your neighbors? Jake, why do you think you care about your neighbors knowing me? Jake, why do you think that you live in this house around these people. Is that you? I just remember thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm such a prideful idiot. See, apart from God's work, <laughs> I don't care about getting to know my neighbors unless like we just naturally hit it off. But if like there's nothing there, like I don't care about trying to get to know them. I don't care about their eternal destiny. Apart from, apart from God's work in my life, I'm not thinking about things like that. According to Acts 17, God's the one who determines when and where we live. The reason I was there in that house on that street is because that's where God had me providentially. So the reason I cared about these neighbors and trying to serve these neighbors and trying to see these neighbors come to know Jesus was all God. 
It was God at work. God, the one that I'm partnering with, he was the one that was really doing the heavy lifting. And as a result, I started to have some peace. I said, all right, God, I trust you're at work here. Let me faithfully continue. Let me, let me trust that you've got this. And then you're going to carry your work to completion. Let me just faithfully partner with you. That was really helpful for me. In this passage, Paul goes on to say, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. And in that statement, he's referring back to the joy that he said he has on behalf of this church. He says, it's right for me to feel this way on this, this, this great joy about all of you since I have you in my heart, which is kind of a, a fancy way of saying it. Like, since I know you're with me. Like, I know we're together in this gospel partnership, that we're together in this. I know I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And this word for share is a, is a synonym to the word koinonia. It's the same kind of deal that we're, we're participants in. We're, we're, we're partners in God's grace. And that gives me this joy because I know we're in it together, you and me and God. See this work advance. Guys, there's great joy to be had when you have that kind of confidence. And you can know, okay, I can, I can, live, I can live an eternally significant life, and it's not on me to do it. It's, I just partner with God. I get swept up in what he's doing. And I get to join others around me who are doing this as well. We get to partner in this, the most important thing that there is, helping people know who God is and what he's done for them. Then the passage, last part of it, I'll just touch on real quick. But he, he pivots here in verse 8. Where I start really in verse 9. In verse 8, he says, he just says this. He confesses his, like his love for them again. God can testify how I long for you with all, my, uh, all the affection of Christ Jesus. Like, I just love you guys. But then he, he says, this is my prayer for you. And remember back in verse 3 and 4, he says, Man, I always pray with you, pray with joy. But he gets sidetracked. He starts talking about why he has all this joy on their behalf. But he doesn't actually say what he prays for them. Well, in verse 9, he starts telling them what, what he's been praying for them. And I was going to do this whole, like, interchange of questions about what do you think that he prays for them and all that stuff, but you, you can see it. Now, now the presentation's working, and it messes me up. It's just, it's just doomed today. But um, do you see what he prays for them? Of all the things that the Apostle Paul is going to pray for you, this church that he deeply loves, he's not praying for their comfort. He's not praying for their safety, though they were being persecuted. He's not praying even for ministry fruit or effectiveness. No, this is what he prays. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That your love will abound in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, what does that mean, the knowledge and depth of insight? Think about that. Like knowledge of what? <laughs> depth of insight into what? Well, he doesn't actually say here. But Paul wrote, writes lots of letters 
and he tells lots of people what he's praying for them. And my guess is that the love that he's hoping they will have greater knowledge of and depth of insight into is the love of God. I mean, just think about what he says in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people, which includes the Philippians, all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure, the fullness of God. Paul says, here's what I pray for you. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That as you know how you've been loved by God, friends, that your love will abound more and more. As it comes home to your heart, how you've been loved, then it will move you to love God and one another, believers, and those who don't know Jesus all the more, that that will abound as you know God's love for you. That was his prayer. Guys, here's, here's something I just want to say real quick. The desire to live a significant life, I think, I think that's instilled in us. I think that's a good thing. But let me tell you, that desire is not strong enough and is too selfish to lead you to live as a gospel partner faithfully. But you know what motivation will do it? When you were responding to the love of God for you and for others. See, it's God's love. Paul knows this. This is why this is what he prays for. It's God's love that will compel us to join him, to partner with him, to get the gospel to more and more people. It's God's love that will move us eventually to live significant lives. But that's the byproduct. The thing that's driving us is not that desire. It's the, it's, it's the realization of God's great love for us. And guys, God loves you. Do you know that? This is one thing I would say, let's apply from this passage. It's like, let's, let's, let's pray this for one another. Let's pray this for ourselves. Let's pray this for, will we just abound in love that our love would abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight how God has loved us so that, as Paul says in verse 10, you may be filled, you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, I'm out of time. I'm actually over time. So let me just stop this here and just say this. Um, as we have an opportunity to partner with God to live eternally significant lives, you can be a gospel partner. Any one of you. All of us can. That God invites you to not just receive Christ as your Savior, but then join with God in helping others know that. And then to impact all of this with him. But the thing that's going to drive you to do that is when you realize what he's done so that you can spend all of this with him. That he died in your place. That the reason we can cross from death to life is because God, the eternal one, crossed from life into death on our behalf. As amazing and crazy as that is. And because he did, we can know him. And because he did that for everyone, anyone can know him. And so let's join him in helping people believe the gospel. 
Let's be gospel partners. And here's what will result. God will give the glory and praise. And you will get an unusual joy. See, because Paul, I didn't make a big deal of this, but Paul writes this letter from jail. Usually when you write a letter from jail, you're probably not feeling like using words like, I'm just so full of joy. Every time I remember you, I'm just full of joy. Why does he have this joy? Because he knows that there's something more to live for that even circumstances can't get him down. God loves him. That's amazing. He's full of joy. We get to tell others that God loves him. That's amazing. That fills him with joy. When he's in prison, we'll find out next week, he's telling people about Jesus. He's still full of joy. And he knows that other people, the church of Philippi, along with other believers, are telling people, about Jesus. He knows the eternity is being affected. And it leads to an unusual joy. A joy not impacted by circumstances and a joy that will last forevermore. Because I want you to know that joy. I want your friends and your neighbors and your family members and your roommates to know that joy. That's why as a church we say, okay, this is our dream. We want to see the day when every man, woman, child, and also has heard the gospel from someone who loves them. Because will you join with us? Will you be a gospel partner with us? The thing that will drive you to do it is God's love. So we're going to end by taking communion. As we take communion, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. His life and death on our behalf. His body broken as we remember the ble- through the bread. His blood spilled as we remember through the cup so that we can be with him, adopted into his family, reconciled to him. That's how you've been loved. Though we didn't deserve it, he loved us to that degree. As you take communion, may that come home to your heart. May even as you take communion, the knowledge of how you've been loved, will you grow in in knowledge and depth of insight of that. And may it move us to partner with God. Even this week, we would tell somebody about Jesus, that we would love someone in Jesus' name, that even this week, we would choose to be faithful gospel witnesses motivated by love so that others can know who God is and what he's done. Communion table is open for all if you've placed your faith in Christ alone, forgiveness of your sins. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, we would really implore you, do that now. Now could be the the day. Jesus died for you. He loves you. Simply believe that. And you. You're adopted into his family. Let me pray, and then let's take communion and worship God. Heavenly Father, we give you praise for your incredible love for us. And I, God, I ask, along with what Paul asked, that we would abound more and more in the knowledge and the, and the insight of your love that it would lead to us to love others, to love you, and to see others come to know you. God, will you help us grow as faithful gospel partners? And God, would every man, woman, and child in our city hear the gospel from someone who loves them in our lifetime, God? You can do that. We want to partner with you in it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org. Thank you.